Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you have the habit of praying before you eat a meal? I would guess that many of you have that habit, which uh, you inherited from your parents and from their parents before them. But what about when you're not at home, when you're out in public, for example, at a restaurant? Do you still do it then? Do you do it all the time? Well, there's no command from God in the Bible that we have to pray before we eat or else we are breaking God's command and, and sinning against him. However, even though there is no command from God that we have to do that, it is, of course, a, a good habit, something good for us to do. Because when we have that habit, then that habit prompts us to pray before eating. And so we are reminded each time that we eat that our food that we eat and, and the drink that, that we drink and, and really everything else that we enjoy is all a blessing from God, as we read about in the second reading, James chapter 1. And also this habit of praying before eating also gives us an opportunity to pray about anything else that might be on our hearts that we want to thank God for, praise him for, ask for his help and blessing about, besides just giving thanks for the food. But perhaps, uh, perhaps if, if you're like me sometimes, maybe that prayer before eating is maybe sometimes where your prayer life ends. And that also is not great. In fact, the way the Bible speaks about prayer is actually more like the way that we breathe. We don't stop. It's constant. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we know that we should give thanks and, and praise to God unceasingly, how many of us actually do that? Pray in the same way that we breathe. And even if we do practice some measure of praising God, how easily we are so often distracted from doing it or, or prevented even from doing it at all. How easy it is for us to take God's blessings to us for granted. Perhaps the most common cause of lack of praise and thanksgiving in our lives is that we simply don't feel the need to praise and thank God. We might feel that there's not really anything special for us to thank or praise God for. How different the feeling was for King David when he began Psalm 145 saying, I will exalt you, my God the King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. It's interesting for us to note that uh, if you look in the original Hebrew language of this psalm, that this is what's called an acrostic psalm. Every verse of Psalm 145 in, in the Hebrew language begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, from Aleph to Tab, or as we might say, from A to Z. So it's kind of a way of, of demonstrating that King David is giving thanks to God for everything, everything from A to Z, from beginning to end. Our praise of God 
begins not with how blessed we are, but first of all with how great God is, as David began this psalm. That's very important because we often tend to limit God, to box him here in, within the walls of, of our church building. But God is not just God on Sunday mornings or on holidays when we come here to worship him. We can't confine our faith to just our devotional time at home or our prayer time or our time in, in Bible study class. It's not enough to limit our praise to a, a cozy worship hour on Sunday morning. Nor can we simply only let our praise be inspired by majestic scenes in nature or the beauty of a sunset or the miracle of birth. God is always God. He is our God throughout every hour, every day, every year, every century, forever. Human language is simply too limited to describe fully the greatness of God. God fills all of creation to the very outer reaches of the universe and beyond. He spans not only all of space, but all of time as well and beyond. As ruler of all that exists, God's glory transcends our human understanding. We are in awe of the power that we observe in nature, which we know is created and established and upheld by God himself. Think about the, the forces that we observe in, in great earthquakes or hurricanes or tornadoes. The awesomeness and, and awful power of, of, that's contained within, within the smallest atom in nuclear energy or explosions. All of that created and, and under God's control. We are bewildered by the power of God that is infinitely greater than all of those natural forces combined. God is the creator of all things. With nothing more than, than the word that he spoke, God brought all of these things, everything that exists, into being out of nothing. The miracle of God's creative power continues in the wonders of nature and in the many specific acts of God's power in our individual lives as well. Here's how David expresses his awe and praise of God and his greatness in verses 3 through 7 of this psalm. Great is the Lord and worthy of great praise, and there are no limits to the extent of his greatness. One generation will praise your deeds to another, and they will declare your mighty acts. I will contemplate the glorious splendor of your majesty and the accounts of your wonderful works. Then they will speak about the power of your awesome works, and I will tell about your great deeds. They will pour forth the memory of your abundant goodness and sing loudly about your righteousness. One Christian writer centuries ago stated, The more a soul knows the greatness of God's glorious mercy, the more it will be stirred up to praise him. So we see that Praise is truly the theme of faith. It's the, the natural outpouring of hearts that trust in God and in his love and mercy. Those who say that God is dead never praise in their lives. For them, life is, is merely a, blah, a bland existence, a, a chance a coincidence of circumstances of time and place. 
but a true child of God, one who knows God's promises and who trusts in him as Savior and Father. Not only has a heart full of praise, but a heart that, that just naturally sings out in praise to God for all his goodness. A believer in Jesus as the Savior knows that God is great and that he is very much still in control of this world. God does have a hand in our lives, even to the point of, of knowing how many hairs, the exact number of hairs that are on our head, and knowing when even just one hair falls out, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. What tremendous comfort we find in the familiar Bible promise, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Or perhaps if you're more familiar with the NIV translation, which, which makes it clearer that, of course, God is the one who is actively working in all things for our good. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Maybe you learned the song as a child. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's not just a, a cute little song that we teach children to sing. No, that is the absolute truth of God's greatness and mercy. And that truth brings comfort and joy to God's people. He has the whole world, the whole universe in his hands. and He controls it and rules it for our good. All of this is made even more meaningful in our personal lives because we know that we can always count on our Heavenly Father to be faithful to each one of his promises to us. And so we agree with the writer of Psalm 119 who declared about God, your faithfulness continues through all generations. So many of the people and the things that we tend to put our confidence or trust in for security in our lives can and so very often do fail us. People, anyone that we might put our trust in, are just as sinful, just as mortal as we are. But our God reigns, and his word stands true forever. Most of all, we know that God is dependable because we know his amazing love and his unbelievable concern for us and for our well-being, which has already been so clearly and perfectly demonstrated in Jesus. God did not simply remain distant and aloof, high up in his heavenly headquarters, just peering down on all the, the happenings down here on earth, untouched by the, the strife and the anguish of our sin-torn world and our hearts that are so often weighed down and burdened by sin. Rather, in the person of his son, Jesus, God came right down to where we live so that he could live and, and even die like us and for us. He faced the three great enemies that we must face, sin, death, and the devil, in our place. He suffered their fatal attack when he died on the cross, and he conquered them when he rose victoriously from the dead, on the third day after his crucifixion. And now, because he lives, he is the source of life for us. Through faith in him, we are cleansed from all of our sins. We are renewed and empowered by his Holy Spirit. We are made a heaven-oriented people. 
through the good news of the cross of Jesus. God's Spirit has given us eternal life that has already begun in our hearts and that will continue even beyond the time of our physical death. And so our hearts join together with King David in the praise that he pours out in verses 8 through 13 of this psalm. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. His compassion extends over all he has made. Everyone you have made will thank you, O Lord, and the ones you favor will bless you. They will tell about the glory of your kingdom, and they will speak about your might. To make known his might to the children of Adam, to make known the glorious splendor of his kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through, through all generations. As King David continues this beautiful psalm, we see that a couple of obstacles to praise seem to come into David's mind. One is the, the burdens that God's people so often have to carry in this life here on earth. And God's infinite wisdom, he allows suffering, fear, or grief at times to press down heavily upon us, his children. Each one of us has, has undoubtedly in our lives had a personal experience with one of these burdens. And perhaps some of you are, are weighed down by these kinds of spiritual burdens right now as well. And as God's people, there's another kind of burden that can be terribly frustrating for us. The burden of our own sinfulness. Far too often we find ourselves caught in the dilemma that the Apostle Paul expresses his frustration about in Romans chapter 7 when he wrote, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For most of us, such burdens not only try our spirits, but they so very often silence our praise to God or, or turn our praise instead into a complaint. God. And another obstacle to our praise is pride. We like to think of our possessions and our accomplishments as being things that we have earned or that we have achieved by our hard work or ability. And even though we may know in our heads or in our hearts that we should give God the credit for what we have and for what we've achieved, Yet we often tend still to speak of what we have done, what we have earned, how we have succeeded. It's easy for us to be so occupied with self-acclaim that we very often seldom get around to praising and thanking God. Strange as it seems, some of the, the greatest praise of God flows from lips of believers who are under heavy burdens or in great want or need in life because they know from experience that what David declares in this psalm is true. Verses 14 through 16. The Lord lifts up all who fall and he supports all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look eagerly to you and you give them their food at the proper time. He opens his hand. And he satisfies the desires of every living thing. And so we see then that the key to praise of God is trust in God. While his goodness is so great and overflowing upon all of his creation that even those who reject him 
still get to enjoy many of the blessings in this life that come from the hand of our gracious God. Yet sadly, they do not all acknowledge or trust in him. It is those who recognize his great deeds, who look to him as their God, who commit themselves to him, and who give him their heart, who will both confess him as Lord and give him the praise that is due his name. Such a trusting heart will affirm confidently with David in verses 17 through 20. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and merciful toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but he will destroy the wicked. For many believers in God over over the centuries and and millennia, even since this psalm has been written, the psalm of praise has been an expression of their worship, praise, and thanksgiving to God. And now it's time for us to join that grateful throng of believers who have gone before us and say, in the words of verse 21, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And here's one idea for how you could do that today or any day after our worship service concludes. Just as every one of the the verses of this psalm in, in the original Hebrew language begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, so today consider taking turns going around the table as you sit down for dinner together as a family or, or just by yourself in your own personal devotion. And go through the alphabet from A to Z. And think of something that, that starts with each letter of the alphabet for which you are thankful to God, thankful for this blessing from him to you in your life. Thank him and praise him for these and for all of his many blessings to you. Through Jesus our Savior. Amen.